1: Welcome to the KSL Sports front page. Welcome into the Jazz Notes podcast. I'm Ben Anderson. I cover the jazz for kslsports.com. Joined by Sarah Todd. You can find her on Twitter at NBA Sarah. She covers the jazz for the Deseret News. Uh, You can find her, like I said, uh, at deseret.com as well. Read me at KSL Sports. Uh, For all of our coverage, find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. All right, busy day today, Sarah. NBA trade deadline. Always one of the most exciting days uh, in the league. And I actually thought kind of lived up to it today. It was fun. It was kind of a general strong push of news that came uh, and came pretty steady throughout the morning.
2: Yeah, I think probably one of the most exciting things was waiting for what eventually ended up to be nothing happening with Kyle Lowry and thinking that maybe just at the last minute that there was going to be something happen there, but he'll be with the Raptors through the season and then that that makes for an interesting free agency period.
1: Yeah, I think uh, there's some big storylines that you know, were developed today that weren't paid off today, that weren't finalized, that we'll uh, still get to continue to work on with those. So let's talk a little bit about what the Utah Jazz did. They, I was surprised that they actually did acquire a player in Matt Thomas, the guard out of Toronto, played in Iowa State, played in Spain for two years. Uh, pure sharpshooter. That's kind of his one true NBA skill, but is elite. He's an elite shooter at the NBA level.
2: Yeah. And I mean it's a little bit unfortunate for that to be the move I guess for jazz fans because that's probably not going to evolve into anything really material this season. It's not like he's going to break into the, you know, the tight nine man rotation that Quinn uses right now. That's not going to be something that happens I think through this season or into the playoffs, yeah. but it they already have deep like their their depth at shooting and with the wings is Pretty incredible. And now it just is even deeper than it was before.
1: Yeah, I think looking at, at the Jazz have an identity. And I think that's what they wanted to continue to capitalize on. And they've repeatedly doubled down on that this year, I think, you know, that they, they could have gone out and added somebody else. But they went out and got a guy like Arison Ilyasova to come in and kind of do what they already have in George Niang and do what they already have a little bit. Uh, in a guy like uh, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, and they could have gone out and tried to find a bigger defender or a free agent out of the G League or something, and they said, "No, what? Let's go get a shooter." And my, my guess on this would be, we'll have to talk about the Jazz and see what they say. I suspect this was kind of something that was put in their lap. I can't imagine they went out and chased this to get this trade. I kind of think that this was something that the Raptors were clearing space in case a Lowry trade was going to go down. They said, we'll happily take a second round draft pick. And the Jazz said, sure, he's our type of player. He does what we do. We think we could use him as far as next season. Why don't we go ahead and uh, and pull the trigger?
2: Yeah, it's so low risk, high reward. There's no real reason not to do it. I mean, if if they were going to be asking for anything more than maybe a future second rounder, then you maybe think twice about it. But this was kind of a a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, and then I think you look at, you know, I think Mike Conley's probably going to be back next year for the Jazz, but let's see, let's see what type of money he gets thrown in the off season, and if you lose Mike Conley, you need depth at the guard position, and it would be nice to go into the uh, season with a guy who you've worked with for two months, three months, depending on how far you get into the postseason, and just to say, hey. This guy can play. We know what he does. We know we don't have to go out and address this offseason. So I actually think that's a very smart move. And the odds of getting a second round pick that would come in and help you next year right away with that 21 pick that you got from uh, from the Golden State Warriors is probably pretty slim. So this is a relatively safe bet for a guy who's already appeared in almost 70 NBA games.
2: Yeah, And there's like, I mean, no real guaranteed money that they have to put forward for that either. And so if they end up wanting to make bigger moves in the offseason, they're totally open to do that.
1: And, and you can always use shooting. You know, we talk about it used to be rebounding and defense in the NBA, kind of the things that, you know, automatically transfer shooting. Now you just can never have enough of it. I think the jazz have learned that they've seen other teams have that and succeed with it. And I think they're going to be happy to do that uh, and run with that as well. But th- one other fallout is the jazz roster is now at 15 players. So I don't imagine they would wave somebody. Look, if Otto Porter gets waived and wants to join the jazz on a veteran minimum or some other really good player wants to join the jazz, they will make room for them. But as of right now, they 've got a full roster they 've got their full fifteen guys, so they shouldn't be i wouldn't imagine super active in the buyout market yeah,
2: I think the fact that you saw them not not very active on the trade market would you know lead you to believe that they're they're not looking to make like a big move that's going to upset the chemistry and the continuity that they have. They really, really value that. And that's signaled by them not making a big move in the core rotation. And so, I think that it would it would really take probably a pretty significant player for them to actually end up waving someone and bring someone in that's going to make a difference.
1: So, uh, really quick, just wrapping up, Matt Thomas. 4.1-point career average, 1.2 rebounds, half an assist, but he shouldn't be passing the ball if he's catching it. He really should be shooting because he's a career 45% three-point shooter. So you bring him in to double down with Joe Ingles, with Royce O'Neill, Jordan Clarkson. I know he's really struggling right now, but Mike Conley's almost a 40% three-point shooter. Donovan Mitchell's up around 37%. You're just happy to have those guys, and those guys have value. So the Jazz went out and found him, and it's a very low-cost kind of, you know, that's not a huge upside. He's not going to turn into JJ Reddick. He's not Kyle Korver. He's not one of these all-time great shooters, but he's a guy who you uh, feel like you can probably use in a pinch. And for that, I honestly give the Jazz a very positive grade. I think that's I, those are the type of smart deadline deals that have kind of long-term implications that don't take a lot of work.
2: Also, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of respect for the way that Toronto chooses their players and who they develop. And so taking a guy that was kind of on the fringe of their roster... I think means a little bit more than maybe off a different roster because that is a guy that actually could make a difference. I mean, if you look at the way that they developed, you know, Norman Powell, who was then traded to the Blazers today, and then uh, you've got Chris Boucher, who is just amazing, and Fred Van Vliet. Like, they've done a really good job developing players that maybe nobody else would have looked at.
1: And it's the second time the Jazz have actually done that this year because they signed Malcolm Thomas, who's now with the uh, Stars or played with the Stars in the G League, who was also from the Raptors. So, you know, Messiah Jerry's one of the best in the business. Uh, so being able to go out and kind of follow what, what Toronto's been able to do with their front office is a very smart move. All right, let's look around the NBA, talk about some of the other deals. I, I guess the biggest one in the Western Conference has to be the biggest name coming West. And that would probably be Aaron Gordon and the move from Orlando to Denver a lot of jazz fans have been in love with Aaron Gordon for a long time what are your thoughts on Aaron Gordon the player what are your thoughts on the trade
2: i mean i'm i'm happy for Aaron Gordon the player the person because it i mean i feel bad for anyone that ends up kind of wasting away on a bad team especially in the prime of their careers and so the fact that vucevic got moved and then also Aaron Gordon got moved i mean it's good signs for their, their careers to move on and maybe have a change of scenery and i guess in the way that denver works you've got Michael Porter and um, and Paul Millsap kind of on that front, that back line there. And, you know, Paul Millsap is aging. And then with Michael Porter, then you've got, um, I mean, he's defensively targeted all the yeah. time. So with Aaron Gordon, you've got, you know, somebody that isn't going to be such a defensive liability. And then also he's improved every other area of his game.
1: Yeah, Millsap looks like a statue now defensively, and he just really can't move. Guys walk right around him. Uh, Porter just makes the wrong decisions too often. He just does not think the game defensively. He's such a talent offensively, and he's a good rebounder, but he doesn't really think the game defensively right now. So having a guy who's got that much experience in Aaron Gordon comes in and gives them depth. I don't know if he's significantly better than Michael Porter Jr. is, in all honesty. Like, I, I understand the idea of Aaron Gordon. I remember him in Arizona. I remember the uh, the talk around him coming into the draft. Jazz fans really thought they were going to land him because everyone thought Orlando was going to go with Dante Exum at four and Aaron Gordon was going to be there at five. So I think jazz fans have this longstanding love affair with him. I, I don't know if he's ever become the player that people thought he was outside of, like, he's great in dunk contests. And he makes some highlight real plays every year but he's not like Tony Allen defensively. He's not Draymond Green, small ball five who you put out there and is going to shut down a defense. I don't think that actually is going to materialize in Denver, but you get another guy who you can very comfortably play 26 to 30 minutes in the playoffs. And those guys are very valuable. And we saw that with, you know, Jeremy Grant, who they had, who's now in Detroit and playing so well, I actually think Jeremy Grant's a better player, but, having guys that you can trust in the playoffs is a big deal and that helps Denver because those are 26 minutes they didn't have with the guys they gave up at least you know especially as long as Gary Harris wasn't playing
2: and I I think that you know Mike Malone could have a real difference could make a real difference with Aaron Gordon I mean he, he does a good job of kind of getting guys to focus on a really specific area of their game and also it's I think that there has to be like some sort of mental aspect of like going from a place like Orlando and I'm, it's no knock on Steve Clifford or anything like that, but like a place where you just know you're going to be on the fringes forever. Yeah. And then you're immediately put into like the middle of the Western conference playoffs. Well, I mean the nuggets are at fifth right now, I think. Yep. And uh, they, they could move up. Like we've seen jockeying in those like two, three, four positions all season. And so well, especially
1: as, because the Lakers are going to slide.
2: Right. And I, I, I mean, I have to think that that's going to give a little bit more of motivation to Aaron Gordon to even, you know, step up a little bit more. And he's a really athletic guy. And I think that's I think using that athleticism is something that just comes with age. And I think that Michael Porter has the ability to do that sort of in the same way that Aaron Gordon does. But Aaron Gordon does it already.
1: Yeah, I'm not totally sold on the trade. I've seen a bunch of people on my timeline today say that this makes Denver the best team in the West. Like He's not that big of a difference maker. Like He doesn't take you to fifth to first. But if you think Denver was already kind of second or third and just didn't have the record so far this season because they've been so inconsistent and have been bad in close games and Aaron Gordon fixes that, maybe that's the case. Uh, but, but he doesn't take you from the bottom half of the Western Conference playoff picture, you know, five through eight, to... Top one or two. I don't think he's that yeah. big a difference maker. But you're right. I think Michael Malone's a very good coach. I do think that's maybe one of the most underrated parts of this. He's playing with very smart players, especially in in Nikola Jokic, who should open up some things for him. Now he's got to go out and show he can match that intelligence. Uh, and I think that's going to be the question for him. But he's got, what, 30 games or so to adapt to, to the Denver roster and, and see how that impacts him. I don't think the Jazz would have been better trading Boyan Bogdanovich for Aaron Gordon. I know Boyan's really struggled this year. I know some fans have talked about maybe trying to make a move like that. I don't think he supplements your identity enough for that to be worthwhile. But I get why Jazz fans have liked him for so long.
2: Yeah, I I get the idea. I mean, especially with some of the defense that Aaron Gordon would provide in place of what the Jazz are actually getting from Boyan on that side of the ball. But I don't have any concerns that Boyan will fall off from shooting forever like I think that he's right. back and he's going to be fine and you aren't going to get what he provides from the three-point line from Aaron Gordon and uh points matter
1: <laughs> yeah points matter and, and look the Jazz recognize their best opportunity to win games right now is I and mean, they're a really good defensive team they're actually a better defensive team than they are offensive team but they realize when it gets to the playoffs they're going to have to outscore some teams they're just going to have to simply be able to k- keep up with teams offensively, uh, and that's something they haven't done as well in the past as I think they would like to, certainly when you go back to those Houston Rockets uh, losses and the Golden State Warriors loss they had a few years ago. That's going to be something the Jazz are really keying in on, and I think it's why they've had this identity that they've been building on for a while now, and they didn't want to drastically change that at the trade deadline. All right, I think that's good for the Denver. They also added JaVale McGee. That's not bad. Uh, he's fine. <laughs> you know, like... Uh, it's I
2: good when he's added to a team.
1: Yeah. Right. So, you know, he, he's a, he's a decent backup and he's a guy you can play in the playoffs for a few minutes. I think, uh, I think Denver got a little bit better today. I don't think they made enormous growth, but they're better than they were yesterday. That's that's yeah. what you want to do with the trade deadline. They did it and they didn't have to give up a lot to get there. Uh, a, a trade I really like actually is Ray John Rondo to the Clippers. I think that's super underrated because he's so good in the playoffs. He always matches the quality of the people around him, which is why he was awful in Atlanta and Atlanta's actually an okay team this year, but they're not playing for anything serious. When he's though on the Lakers and playing for something real, he was great last year in the postseason and helped them win a championship.
2: Yeah, I think the same way that people look at Paul George and the and the the fall off that he has during the postseason and how real that really is. Yep, playoff Rondo is a very real thing too. That that's not something that can be overlooked. I mean, he really is one of the guys that can step up and exceed expectations when the postseason starts, and it's why you see him like you know, floating around and getting moved at these times in multiple years is because playoff teams really want him. And he's won a championship multiple times doing that.
1: Yep. And you look at the guards in the West right now. I mean, it's just crazy. Any first round matchup could be Jamal Murray. It could be Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. It could be Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, and now Norman Powell, which is a trade we should talk about coming up here in just a minute. Uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Like, there is so many. Dennis Schroeder's a really good player. There are so many good guards in the Western Conference playoff picture right now. You're going to want to have a veteran who is not as he's not as good as any of those guys I just mentioned. Rajon is not as good as any of those players. But he's not going to get absolutely torched by any of those guys either the way reggie jackson might if you have to play him 25 minutes in the postseason so i think that's a nice under the radar advantage and truthfully lou williams had really slipped like the targeted him every single time he was on the floor and had success and now he's only scoring 12 points a game so he's not scoring 18 giving up 15 he's scoring 12 and giving up 18 and now you're a minus six instead of a plus three that's a huge that's a huge difference than where he was a couple of seasons ago
2: yeah. I think that's probably the biggest thing is being able to recognize like Lou Williams is not, it's not like he's a nothing burger of a player right now. Like he's still good, but for the Clippers to recognize like, okay, there has been a significant drop-off and we need to get something else. And Rondo is, I mean, we've already said what he can do in the postseason. Yeah. And it. I think when you're looking specifically at the teams that you might come up against, and it's, I mean, especially if you're the Clippers, you're looking at the Lakers and the Jazz right now as potential uh playoff matchups, then those are like dynamic guard teams that you're going to have to contend with. And so having Rondo to throw out there is is a really good thing.
1: Yeah, not to mention Luka Doncic, who's a name that we skipped over. You know, that's another guard that you want to be able to throw a body at for a couple of minutes, uh, and Rajon Rondo's going to be able to do that. So I think that's a big help. I think that's under the radar. I actually don't think they gave up that much to get him. I know there was two second-round picks there as well. If he helps you win a playoff series or two, he's absolutely worth it, and he's proven he's got that ability. Uh, and has shown an ability to do that. And now you put him with Kawhi and Paul George and Patrick Beverly, just the length they have on the perimeter can be suffocating. I mean, they, they also kind of doubled down on their identity a little bit, even though they had to give up uh, Lou Williams to go out and get him. All right, let's talk about the Mavericks. We we mentioned Luka Doncic. They went out and got J.J. Redick and, and uh, Nicola Melli. Uh, they ended up giving up James Johnson and Wes Wundu to get him. I, I think J.J. actually probably is going to look really good playing off of the gravity that... Luka Doncic creates.
2: Yeah, and he's he's a guy that moves so well without the ball. I mean, he he's not really a guy that you want moving with the ball, and so yeah, putting well. to, yeah, <laughs> so putting him next to someone like Luka is going to have the ball in his hands all the time is really great. And i I mean, sure they lose like maybe a little bit of defense with what they're giving up, but they they tried to do that in the la- in the off season is really ramp up their defense. And what they did is they got rid of Seth Curry, and right. that impacted their Uh offense it was a historically good offense and the fact that they lost that much shooting was really really a big deal and so if you bring in a guy like J.J. Redick who he wasn't doing that well with the Pelicans but the writing was on the wall there for so long that I don't think that there was a lot of motivation to actually play well and he's I mean he's in great shape for his age his skill level hasn't gone down he's going to be able to hit shots
1: yeah and Rick Carlisle is a brilliant offensive mind you know, so, and then you put him next to the most brilliant offensive player we have in the league right now, which is probably Luka Doncic. If it's not Harden or LeBron, you know, he's going to look very good. So I think that's a good move. I think that's smart, even if it's just a rental uh, and he leaves in the offseason. And if not, you bring him back next year and you're happy to have him around. Uh, and he's probably actually a good veteran to have in the locker room as well, though he hasn't won a ton in his career. Uh, he's still a good guy. I think you're uh, you're happy to celebrate with. Uh, that's it for the Mavericks. Let's talk a little bit about Norman Powell. I wasn't unsure of this trade when the Blazers got him. Cause I actually really like Gary Trent jr. Rodney hood doesn't really move the needle for me anymore. No offense to former jazz guys, but you know, he's coming off an Achilles and has kind of been tossed around the league a little bit. Uh, I, I actually have talked myself into this trade a little bit. It, I like it because Gary Trent jr. Is going to be an unrestricted free agent. I think at the end of the season, at least he's going to be a free agent it was going to cost money. Rodney hood. You weren't going to pick up his $10 million player option. That's ridiculous. So, you go out and you just get an upgrade for the next three months at Norman Powell. And Norman Powell is having a crazy year. He's shooting 43% from three and averages almost 20 points a game.
2: And he's so much craftier than I think he, he gets credit for. He's, um, I think that he does a really good job even when he's like switched on to just because he's so quick and smart. Right. And I, I don't, I mean, I understand that you have that with Dame and CJ, but for a team, the kind of offense that the Blazers play, I don't really think that you can have enough of that. And so I think it's a really nice move for them.
1: Yeah, it's like what the Jazz did with Matt Thomas, but on steroids because he's actually going to be in the rotation. You know, you just, you found your strength, CJ and Dame are your strength, and then you went out and, and, and added another guy who on any given night can be better than CJ McCollum. And good for you. That's what you want. You know, you're not going to ask him to ISO as much as CJ does, but he can still go out and give you 20 points on a night and you can use that in the playoffs. And he's been on a championship team. Like you need those types of guys, I think in your roster uh, and in your locker room. So I actually think that was a very kind of pretty smart move. And look, if you get to the off season and you've auditioned Norm Powell and you love him and he loves Portland, he's not going to pick up his $10 million player option. Cause he's worth so much more than that. He'll sign a huge deal this off season. Portland's a little strapped, but if they say, "Hey, we want to trade CJ McCollum for a proven big guy," now we've got Norman Powell already in our back, you know, in our backyard, and we can resign him or bring him back. And I'm, I'm sure they're getting his bird rights at this point. You can do that, and then you've got your big player in exchange for CJ McCollum, and you've got another starting caliber two next to Dame and Norman Powell. This actually could have long term implications. Could be a really smart move.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, as much as I know that Portland loves C.J. McCollum and, you know, how much good faith he has within that organization, he has started to become a bit of an injury liability. And that that has to be thought about, too, is the the actual longevity of what he's going to be able to contribute.
1: No question. Hey, let's answer a question really quick. William Wallace says, do you think the Warriors should have acquired Buddy Heald? I don't think the Warriors needed to do anything. They're not. Go- Warriors are kind of a championship or bust team because they are coming off of the end of this dynasty. Like, they, they don't care if they make the second round of the playoffs this year. Like, that doesn't mean anything to them. They want to be healthy. They want to re sign Steph this offseason, which is might be difficult. I, I suspect they will, but it might be difficult. And then they get Klay Thompson back and they want to be good again next year. And they are setting themselves up to do that. They didn't need to add any short term pieces, I think, as a band aid.
2: Yeah, I mean, Steve Kerr has been, you know, limiting the minutes that Steph plays in fourth quarters and right. in, in, instead playing some of their developing guys because the, the writing is on the wall for them. Like, they're not going anywhere. It's not like they're going to win a championship this year. And so exactly as you said, like, they're not playing for the second round. And I mean, what would you be signing Buddy Healed for in, except for, you know, you want his shooting, right? right. Well, you're going to be getting Clay back, so it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think that was necessarily a big trade, and what, they they got rid of Brad Wanamaker. I think they just got cash back or a second round pick from the Hornets. So you know that th- they're clearly just trying to clear up a little bit of space and a little bit of money, and I think that's fine. Um, even though they've done, you know, they've done way better with Andrew Wiggins than I expected them to. Like I didn't think they were going to win that trade, and they certainly did. And they got all these picks now. <laughs> like, yeah. That trade looks absolutely horrible for the. For the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're lucky that uh, Anthony Edwards has looked as good as he has uh, over the last month or so. All right, last trade I think we need to talk about, or, and really it's kind of a trade that didn't happen, Sarah, uh, was the Lakers not going out and acquiring Kyle Lowry. Had they done that, I mean, I think the Lakers are probably probably still the favorites to come out of the West because they have LeBron James and he's the best player in the world. Kyle Lowry would have really helped them.
2: Yeah, uh it's it's a little bit strange the way that that ended up happening because, I mean, like you had Kyle Lowry and basically everyone saying goodbye last night right after the game that the Raptors played. And it felt like there was already like a deal in place that was going to be made. And then you saw uh, all of the moves that the Raptors made, like, right. you know, kind of clearing out space. Right. And then it just ended with like, oh, Kyle's going to be on the roster for the rest of the season. I think that, like you said, the the Lakers are still probably favorites to come out of the West. Um, I'm, I, I'm interested to know what hung up on that deal.
1: Yeah. Well, clearly Miami was trying to get him. Philly was trying to get him. And the Lakers and Clippers were trying to get him. Clippers realized they didn't have the pieces, so they got Rajon. Uh, Miami didn't real- realize they weren't going to get the trade done, so they went out and kind of made that last-minute switch for Oladipo. Philly added uh, uh, George Hill earlier in the day, so they didn't necessarily need Kyle Lowry. They would have loved to have had him. So it was kind of the Lakers or the Heat or bust, and clearly they just didn't feel like they were going to get enough back to give up a a superstar player like that, or they didn't want to give up a guy from the Lakers and Heat perspective, understanding they could chase him in free agency this offseason.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I I would have thought that maybe Masai would have – leveraged somehow to actually end up making that deal happen because I mean, he is going to end up getting nothing in this case. Um, but like you said, I, I'm, I think the Lakers hold the cards here because they are, you know, the title favorites and right. sure. uh, winning champion. And so they don't have to agree to anything.
1: Uh, all right. Let's talk about two deals in the East. We just mentioned one of them, Oladipo. He goes to Miami. Actually, I Actually, think that's smart. I think the times we've seen Miami, I think they did need a little bit more firepower. Tyler Hero didn't turn into kind of the second-year guy. I think a lot of people hoped he would. And maybe he still gets there next year, but you might as well try Oladipo, who doesn't totally ruin the culture of what Miami does. Like, he kind of does some of the things that they do. He can actually play defense when he's engaged, which is something they care about. He could look really good next to Jimmy Butler, and he doesn't have to be the guy late, as long as he's okay not being the guy late. I actually don't think that's a terrible trade.
2: Yeah, I don't know a ton about, I guess, Oladipo's... um personality. And so I am going to be interested to see how he meshes in the locker room with Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy's, that's tough.
1: Jimmy's tough on people.
2: He's very tough on people. I've seen that up close. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I think that'll be interesting. But I mean, if if Depot and Jimmy Butler can mesh well together, that they're going to be a really dynamic backcourt.
1: And you look at what they've done in the last week or so, you know, they got rid of Myers Leonard, which you had to. Uh, you got... Areza coming in, who, like, Ariza's kind of washed at this point. Like, he's not a huge difference maker, but he's fine. Uh, now you get Oladipo. Like, I kind of like some of the pieces that they have now, certainly more than I liked Kelly Olenek and Myers Leonard and Avery Bradley, who doesn't do anything at this point in his career. So, like, they, they have three usable players.
2: They're, and, then like, even last thing, I mean, they were in the finals, and it was kind of a ragtag bunch that was, seemed yep. like it was thrown together then. And so I think right now it makes a little bit more sense than it did last season. Plus they haven't really lost any of the guys that were meaningful at that point.
1: Uh, and we should have, they added uh, Nemanja Bielica as well, who, right. you know, if he can step out and spread the floor, he's better than Kelly Olinick. Kelly Olinick Thought he could do that, but didn't actually do that. Same with Myers Leonard. So uh, that's a piece that could be moved. The biggest trade in the NBA is the East. It's not going to affect the Jazz at all, but Nikola Vucevic going from Orlando. We talked about Aaron Gordon. They full-on start their rebuild by getting rid of Vucevic, who's their franchise player and their best player. And he goes up to Chicago. Chicago sends Wendell Carter, who's just had an absolutely miserable season, even though he's a former lottery pick. Chicago also sends two first-round picks down to Orlando as they try and get this thing started over. I actually kind of like this trade, I guess, for both teams. It might be a little dicey for Chicago if they can't defend anybody. And right now they can't defend anybody.
2: Yeah. And uh, it makes me, I like it for both teams if it works out, but if it doesn't work out, then, you know, Orlando has tried to do this rebuild how many times now and it hasn't worked. And now they've given up like their two best players. And then if it doesn't work for Chicago, they just gave up two first round picks. And so what are they going to, re- I mean, they're basically banking on what, like, Laurie Markkinen, Vucevic, and Kobe White to become stars and, like, take right. them, you know? So it's, um, and I mean, of course they have, like, Zach Levine. They have good players, but none of it has really worked to the point of making them a great team.
1: You're basing your future around Vuce and Zach Levine. Yes. Zach having a good year. Like, he's having a shockingly good year. 27 points a game, six rebounds, five assists. He's shooting incredibly well from the floor, over 50% from the floor, over 40% from three. He's really playing at a high, high level. You know, when you watch him play, I don't know how much it impacts their games. Like, they they have to have him to win, but they're not winning so many games that, like, he takes, you know, that that he's blowing up the league or anything. So I think that's hard. I think Vooch can probably help you win and probably – take some of the pressure off of Zach Levine, but yeah, I'm with you. I just don't know if those two guys are the stars I'm comfortable building around. Truthfully, it's funny. What they need is, you know, a Jimmy Butler type, like they need that edge. Now they need that other guy who can get to that next level. Uh, And I don't know if they have the pieces now that they don't have draft picks to go out and get him Orlando. I guess I'm happy they got two first round draft picks and they could be okay from Chicago, but they're probably a playoff team this year. If not, it's very late lottery, but you're right, they traded Aaron Gordon and Vooch, their two best players, and they got back Gary Harris and Wendell Carter. Like you didn't get a young piece. You didn't get, you know, a Jalen Brown. You didn't get a guy who like you think can come in and actually like help you win games or you can start to build around. They go into the full blind rebuild of being like, Can we get rid of Terrence Ross? Can we get rid of some of these guys and then hope to draft a star? So you're three ways three years away from even knowing if you have a guy.
2: Yeah, and I mean Orlando's not a place that you can bank on wooing anyone
1: like You're, you it, never have
2: no it has to be through the draft now because you've given up the stars and I don't know that they have a ton of credibility when it comes to the draft either
1: right at all i I understand what they were doing they like to draft long guys and athletic guys and and they had done that but Mo Bamba has not worked out at all. Jonathan Isaac, who was their best prospect, had a very serious knee injury, and I'm worried about his ability to come back. And yeah, Aaron Gordon, like he was okay, but he was the long athletic guy that never turned into an all-star. Like that's their problem. They always do that. So I guess uh the the future's up to them having to get a I mean a top three or four pick now, and that's why they are trying to bottom out to make sure they guarantee themselves that. And look, this isn't a bad year, and next year's not going to be a bad year to be in that spot.
2: Yeah, and uh if they can, you know it's gonna take getting you know a top three or four pick in order to maybe lure someone and then and then use a trade deadline in like next season or the following season to bring in a star or one of those young guys that you're talking about like because they're not going to be able to woo someone.
1: All right, Sarah, that's all the major trades today in the NBA trade deadline. Find her on Twitter at NBA Sarah read her at Deseret.com. make sure you find me on Twitter at Ben's hoops. read me at kSLsports.com download the KSL Sports app. We'll be back with another episode of the Jad's Notes podcast coming up next week. Thanks for joining us.
0: A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said...